Let me just read them to you before we read the passage together. And, and just ask yourself the question, I mean, do you want these characteristics in your life? I mean, do you want to be someone who's loving? Someone who's joyful? Someone who's patient? Someone who's kind? Someone who demonstrates goodness? Someone who can be described as faithful? Do you want to be a person who is gentle? And do you want to be someone who exercises self-control? I mean, what beautiful characteristics we have described for us here in Galatians 5. And they're called the fruit of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit himself who produces these beautiful um, demonstrations of God's character within our lives. So we're going to read Galatians 5, and we're going to read from verse 13. And it's interesting that in verse 13 that the passage begins by talking about the theme of, of freedom. Because when we're living this life in the Spirit, we are living a life of freedom. That's what God has called us to as His children, to live lives that are experiencing, increasingly experiencing God's freedom from glory to glory. Verse 13 of Galatians 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So here we're told that the purpose of this freedom is that we might be able to serve others, might be able to glorify God, and we might be able to serve others. Verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Here we have this phrase, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, there's a similar phrase, led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's talking about the Mosaic law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who like, live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What a horrible list. And we don't want our lives to be characterized by these types of patterns and sins. They just enslave us and entangle us. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control. More of that, Lord, please, more of that. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, there's that phrase again, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So here's the calling to which we are called as followers of Jesus, to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. He's in us. His desire is to fill us and to flow out of us. His desire is to be before us and behind us and around us. And our job is to learn what it means to walk in step with God, to walk in step with the Spirit, to walk at His pace. There are times and seasons in our lives when the Holy Spirit will call us to advance rapidly. Other times, He will call us into a season of waiting, into the secret place of seeking and resting and trusting. And sometimes a lot of the confusion in our own lives and in our own minds comes about through us as a result of us becoming confused about the season that we're in. Maybe it's a, a season when God is calling us to retreat and wait, and yet we're trying to run fast, and we're confused as to why our lives aren't maybe progressing the way we want them to. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, of course, God talks about life being made up of a series of seasons, and we need to know our season, the season that we're in, that what is God doing in, in, in your life in this particular season? Why not ask Him that? Why not ask Him that even now where you're sitting? Just say, Lord, what season am I in? Am I in a season when you really want to advance me? Or am I in a season perhaps when you just want me to plant roots and be faithful and work hard where I'm at? Or, Lord, what's going on in this season? That's one of the rules of the Spirit of God in our lives. He's there to be our teacher, to teach us about the season that we're in. So we're called to walk in step with the Spirit. And when we do that, this passage tells us that we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's how we live out these beautiful characteristics of God. They're produced inside us as the Spirit of God plants His roots down deep within our souls. We find ourselves becoming more loving, more joyful, peaceful, patient, more kind, full of goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not necessarily as we try harder, but as we abide deeper. Now, that's not to say that there's not a place for hard work in the Christian life. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, I work harder than you all. Yet he conveyed that it was, the, it, it was God at work in him. So even our hard work has to be done through the Spirit. We find ourselves, if we're working hard and we're out of step with the Spirit and out of sync with the Spirit, that's when we become mentally and physically and spiritually exhausted 
and drained. That's not, that's not the plan of God for our lives. The Lord is there to refresh us, to strengthen us, to lift us up, to build us up. And we get that strength and that nourishment and that refreshment from abiding deeply in the vine, as it talks about in John 15. That Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches, and when we abide in Him, we produce this beautiful fruit as we abide and rest and drink from His fountain and feed on Him as our living bread and cultivate and develop that close walk with Him where we guard our hearts and keep our hearts open to Him and learn to live in that attitude of worship and praise. Just in that whole theme of being refreshed, let me read another passage to you, just a few verses from Matthew chapter 11, which is a very important passage for what I want to share with you on the theme of kindness in the time that we have left. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You see, that's the same, similar language to the language of Galatians 5, this idea of walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So Jesus wants to be our teacher. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So I want us to think about this fruit of the Holy Spirit as we've been working our way through each individual characteristic in Galatians 5. I want us to think about the theme of kindness today. And I, along with my, my daughter Grace, we did a beautiful study on the theme of kindness um, on Friday, Friday evening and into Saturday, and <clears throat> that's where I got this message from. It's a beautiful thing to study together. Let me encourage you to do that. You know, when we study the Word with someone else, we, we le- at times we can learn so much more. And here's the first thing that we discovered about this theme of kindness in the Scriptures, is that we began to delve into the, um, the original Greek. Yes, my daughter Grace is in the original Greek. In fact, would you pray for her? She started learning um, New Testament Greek, Koine Greek. Um, she's getting into that. So we had some fun in and around that, and we were encouraging one another. <clears throat> and we discovered that in, in the Greek New Testament, maybe if you're not aware of that, that the New Testament in, in the Scriptures was written in Greek. It was called Koine Greek, which means common Greek, the common language of the day. And the Old Testament Scriptures were written in Hebrew. So in the Greek language here in Galatians 5, when we have the word kindness, it's, it's a translation of the Greek word Christos. Christos. Very similar to the, um, the Greek word for Christ, which is Christos. <laughs> in fact, some people um, have actually concluded that there's a, a play on words there between Christos and Christos because ultimately Jesus Christ is the personification of kindness. 
Christos, which is translated most times in our New Testaments as kindness. And what is kindness? Let me give you a couple of definitions of kindness. Kindness is speaking or acting towards a person in a manner that does them good. Let me say that again. Kindness is speaking or acting towards a person in a manner that does them good. So, kindness is having a disposition and a desire to bless others and to do others good. It's no surprise then when we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and we see there the beautiful demonstration and explanation of love that we're told that love is kind. Love is Christos. Kindness has a desire to be a blessing and to be an encouragement to everyone around us. It's really God flowing through us and touching other people. Here's another definition of Christos or kindness. Kindness is that gentle, gracious, easy-to-be-entreated manner that permits others to be at ease in our presence. Let me say it again. Kindness is that gentle, gracious, easy-to-be-entreated manner that permits others to be at ease in our presence. That means that if we're living a life of kindness, that we're putting people around us at ease, comfortable in our presence, that our actions and maybe what comes out of our mouths is going to be kindness. We don't want to be the types of people that when they're in the, in the company of others, that people are worried or anxious about what's he going to do next or what, what's she going to say next. Kindness puts other people around us at ease because love is kind. Note that second definition that I give you talks about Kindness permits others to be at ease in our presence. Can I also suggest that kindness also permits others to be at ease in our absence when we're not with people? Kindness, you see, is the words that we speak, the thoughts that we have, the attitude and the actions we demonstrate toward others. Are those words and actions and attitudes really for other people's good? even when we're not present with them. Now, I'm getting at the heart of when perhaps we're on our own or we're in our homes or we're with our spouse or we're, you know, we're with someone else and we're, we're talking about other people. What, what, what sort of words do we speak about other people when we're not in their presence? Are they words that convey and demonstrate the kindness of God? so easy to fall into the trap of when we close the door of our own homes and we're, we're sitting at night and, you know, we're sitting with our cup of tea or coffee and we're relaxing, we just begin to talk about people. We begin to run people down. We begin to speak negatively of people and we fall into the trap of the enemy and we, we develop an attitude that tears people down. That's the work of the flesh. We read about that in Galatians 5, 
Verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. That's not just when you're in the presence of people. That's even when you're absent from people. Let me just throw out a challenge to all of us today, including myself. The words that we speak when others aren't present, are they words of kindness? Are they words that reflect God's goodness and character? You know, we need to watch our tongues. Our tongues can cause so much damage. That's why the psalmist, and it's a good prayer to pray, he prayed in Psalm 19:14, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. The words of my mouth and the attitudes of my heart when I'm present with people and when I'm absent from people, may my words and my thoughts and my attitudes always be pleasing to you, O God. So we're called to live this life in the love of God, in the presence of God, in the power of God, and this love will flow out of us, and this love will demonstrate kindness, kindness toward each other. You know, it's a real barometer of our closeness to God. The progress that we're making in our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ. How much we love people. How much we care for people. How much we champion people. How much we want to build people up. It's so central to who God is. He loves people. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. God loves people. That's why the Lord Jesus summed up the whole of the Old Testament law in these two commands. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. So that vertical relationship with God, as we love him, as we surrender our lives to him, as we saturate ourselves in his truth, will always result in that horizontal, powerful living of demonstrating that love to others. Ephesians 4.32 uses the word Christos, kindness. Listen to this. Be kind, Christos, to each other, tender-hearted. What a beautiful word. Tender-hearted. Tender-hearted forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It's important to get this order the right way around. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you, that's us experiencing God's forgiveness, His power, His love, His redemption, His salvation. Then we have the power to flow out and live a life that is tender-hearted, a life that is forgiving. I mean, forgiveness at times can be really difficult, especially when people hurt us, cut us with their words as we've been talking about, or their actions toward us leave us feeling a deep sense of pain. It's only while we're abiding in the love of God. It's only while we're saturating ourselves in His presence. It's only while we have our eyes fixed on Jesus and His great forgiveness toward us will we have the power to live out a life that is demonstrating the forgiveness of God, of God to those around us. And you know, we're called to forgive people even, even if we don't feel like it. 
very often in the lives of people who have been hurt very, very deeply, they have to choose forgiveness. They have to override their emotions and make a, a cognitive choice that they are going to choose to forgive the people who have hurt them. And do you know what you find in those types of situations that your feelings catch up through time? In fact, that goes for many areas of the Christian life, even when we don't feel like doing something that we know that we are called to do or that God commands us to do, that we choose to do that whether we feel like it or not. And we will find as we, we, we practice those patterns and those rhythms that our emotions and our feelings will catch up as we plead to God, Lord, bring my emotions and my feelings into alignment with, with your truth. So we must have the discipline in our lives to act in a manner that is right and pleasing to God. Christos, we're called to be kind. Kindness is speaking or acting towards a person in a manner that does them good. Lord, make me a channel of blessing. Make me someone who blesses others. It's interesting that as we come to the end of Galatians 5, and we read down to the end of the chapter, and we move into chapter 6, and remember that the original Greek didn't have chapter divisions or didn't have uh, verses. They were put in at a later stage for our good, so these words just flow together. It's interesting when we come to the beginning of Galatians 6 that it talks about gentleness, and it talks about forgiveness. Galatians 6, 1-2, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Here we have kindness demonstrated in acts of forgiveness. Because kindness at times, if you want to do someone good, at times it will involve those hard discussions. At times it will involve you approaching someone, maybe about a, a way that they're living that is dishonoring the Christ, that is harming the person, that is harming the, the witness of the gospel, that is harming others around them. At times we have to have those difficult discussions. That is kindness. So there's a tough side to kindness when we have to embrace difficulty and change and hard conversations. But Galatians 6, 1-2 gives us some instruction even on how to do that. We're to do that in a disposition of gentleness. You see, our goal in, in all of our Christian living is to live under this law of Christ that it talks about in Galatians 6, 2. In the passage we read together in Galatians 5, Paul tells us that we're not under the law. That is, we're not under the Mosaic law, but we are under another law, and that law is the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 2. And the law of Christ can be simply defined as the law of love. We are a people of love. We are a people who are marked by love, as I've said, a love for God and a love for people. And what that love and this kindness that we're talk, talking about seeks to do, to do and desires to do is, this kindness desires to lift burdens off people. We're not called to put heavy burdens on people. 
That's what Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees for. He said, you're putting heavy burdens on people that you're not even willing to bear yourself. You're making up laws that are not even in the, in the law of God, and you're, you're putting them on people, and you're crushing people. That's not what we're called to do as the people of God. We're called to lift burdens off people. We're called to love them in such a way that we get alongside people and serve them. The way we speak to them and the way we act towards them will cause their lives to be lighter. What was it Jesus said in the passage that we read from Matthew chapter 11? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, that's what coming to Jesus does. It makes our burden light. I mean, think specifically about the burden of sin, how it weighs upon us and how it crushes us. And as the Scripture says, when we live in sin and we walk in sin and when we reject Christ in our lives, what we're doing is we're walking about with the wrath and the anger of God on us. We're carrying this great weight through life, a weight that will take us right into a lost eternity if we die without trusting Jesus Christ. And what took place in the, the greatest moment in history, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, was that God the Father took the, that massive weight of sin and He put it on His only Son. And He bore it away in His own body on the tree because He's the only one who could bear it away because He was sinless and righteous and perfect. And when we come to Him, what we do is we roll our burden of sin off onto the Lord. The Lord cleanses us and Jesus Christ, when he was placed in that tomb and raised up again from the dead by God the Father, that was God the Father's way of demonstrating that he was 100% satisfied with the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross for your sins and mine. What a beautiful message. That is Christos. That is the God who wants to lift burdens off us, and he wants to lift your burden off you today. Maybe you're tuning in live, or maybe you're watching at a later stage, and you don't know Jesus. And you're walking about with life's crushing weight on you, and the crushing weight of sin, and you're caught up, and you're entangled, and you're trapped in the darkness and the power of sin. Jesus has come to set you free. He calls you to reach out to Him and repent and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin and I embrace Jesus. Invite him into the center of your life. Invite him to come and cause you to be born again of the Spirit and to give you the very life of Jesus within you. Jesus is the lifter of burdens, and he calls us to be the lifter of burdens by demonstrating Christos to other people. By living according to the law of Christ, which is the law of love, and bearing one another's burdens. I mean, in our lives at times, we've all had the beautiful experience of somebody coming along and lifting a burden off us. Maybe we're going through a hard time in life, and God sent a friend, someone who just got alongside us and said, see that burden that you have on you? I want to take it from you. Whether it was minding your children for an afternoon or whether it was paying off a debt that you owed, a financial debt, or whether it was helping you with some practical need. Or it's a beautiful expression of who God is when someone comes and lifts a burden off us or we lift the burden 
from someone else. And here's what's interesting about this passage that we read together from Matthew chapter 11. You see when Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see the word easy there? That's a translation of the Greek word Christos. What Jesus is saying is, the yoke that I place on you is a yoke of kindness. It's a yoke that is comfortable. It's a yoke that fits you. It's tailor-made for who you are. And you know the picture that's going on here of the in biblical times, the way they plowed a field was there were, there were two oxen, and the oxen were carefully and specifically chosen. They were exactly the, you, the, the same height, and a, a piece of wood was placed across the neck of the two oxen. And the two oxen pulled the plow, and the plow plowed the field and prepared the field for the planting of the crop, for the sowing of seeds. That's the picture. The yoke was the piece of wood that was placed on their neck, and it was, it was carefully chosen and designed in such a way that it was comfortable for the oxen. The piece of wood was tailor-made for the oxen, and the oxen were specifically chosen for the piece of wood. They, they fitted together like a hand into a glove. Jesus says to us in our lives with regards to what I call you to and the way you serve and the sphere of life I put you into. And this, this has so many practical implications for our lives, for our careers. That he's saying that the yoke that I place on you, the, the works that I have for you to do are exactly tailor-made for you. That's what the Lord tells us in Ephesians 2, that the very works that God has prepared for us as His children have been prepared for us even before we were born. Our job is to walk with the Spirit, and He will lead us into those works. And those works, if we're walking in the ways of God, the things that He gives us to do are not designed to crush us. Yes, there might be a weight to bear, but even in the bearing of that weight, there will be an easiness. There will be a Christos, the kindness of God and what He lays on us. You see, what God lays on us, He doesn't lay on us to crush us. He gives us weight to carry that we're designed to carry in the Spirit. And when we get out of sync with God, and when we get out of sync with the Spirit, and when we develop the wrong mindsets, and when we embrace works in our lives, Maybe we switch job without walking in the Spirit. Maybe we take on a new task without walking in the Spirit. Maybe we make decisions in the flesh, and then we begin to feel that heaviness increasing. It's not a Christos. At that moment, we're not bearing the yoke that is designed by Jesus for our lives. We're taking on a yoke of our own. In fact, we're taking on the yoke of slavery. We're taking on the yoke of the world, and that's where we give the enemy a foothold. You see, it's so important in all of our decisions and in all of our choices that we're not making these decisions out of a heart that is walking in the flesh, living out of the old nature. That's why Galatians 5 that we read says that we have crucified the old nature, and the life that we're now living is the life of Christ in and through us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is Christos, kind, comfortable, light, easy. Beautiful from the Word of God. That's why, by the way, the Scripture reminds us so much about not falling into the trap of becoming unequally yoked. You know, that's when one ox is two and a half feet tall and the other ox is only two feet tall. And the yoke is unequal. And it begins to rub against the neck of the ox. And it begins to open up the the skin and cause bleeding and uncomfortableness. It begins to cause a wound. The danger of becoming unequally yoked, specifically in regards to relationships. Maybe I'm speaking to someone today and you're seeking a relationship. You're seeking a partner. You're seeking a you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, someone who would be your future husband or wife. And the temptation in our waiting is, instead of waiting on God's timing and waiting on the yoke that is designed by God and tailor-made and just fits you exactly, we go off in the flesh. We try to do things in our own way and in our own time because we become impatient and we're not waiting on God. And we enter into a relationship which is unequally yoked, which will bring you misery upon misery. Because the Scripture says that darkness can't have fellowship with light. You see, we are light. We as the people of God are light. And when you enter into a relationship with someone who you want to be your future husband or wife, who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't have the Spirit of God in them, doesn't share the same values as you do, you're going to cause yourself a lot of pain. So there's a warning here today. There's a warning here today if that's you. To flee from such a relationship, to reject such thoughts, and to say, Lord, I will wait on you, and I will wait on you as long as it takes. So, Lord, I need your grace to wait. I need your presence to wait. I need your power to wait. The Christos of God. 